German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Welcome, everybody. This is Joe from StartupRadio.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany, as well as the world's first internet radio station dedicated to startups and tech companies. Today, we bring you another interview in media partnership with Frankfurt Valley. You can pay them a visit, www.frankfurtvalley.app. And of course, there's a link down here in the show notes. If you haven't already done so, make sure to hit the like and subscribe button. Leave us a nice comment. And now let's get ready for the interview. I have a guest here from Frankfurt. Hey, Justin, how you doing? Hey there. I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad that I'm here today. How are you, Joe? I'm doing great. Thank you. As everybody who's watching this on YouTube can tell, a very bright yellow pullover. So it, it's already starting to, uh, to be a little bit... Um, spring feeling in here so everything's totally fine except for a little bit of hay fever but that's something you just have to deal with you are here because we got the connection through frankfurt valley and you're doing something very interesting you're helping startups companies and universities to work together but before we get into that tell us a little bit about what brought you to this stage. Um, of course, as always, your LinkedIn profile is linked down here in the blog post as well. Um, and what is not included in the LinkedIn profile is that, for example, Lufthansa accepted you for pilot training and you did not take this. Um, tell us a little bit how this all unfolded and ended up in your startup Equipa. Well, that's, that's actually an interesting story. And you already mentioned one, one interesting thing regarding my background and regarding my journey um, that brought me here. So um, when, I, when I aimed for finishing my school, I obviously asked myself what I wanted to do in my professional future. And um, one of the things what I thought might be quite interesting was becoming a professional pilot. And that's when I, when I applied for the pilot training at Lufthansa. Um, and, and Indeed, they, they, they accepted me and, and I, I went through the whole qualification phase and they said, okay, we want you to become one of our future pilots. But at the same time, they also told me that they stopped the training for the pilots for about two years and I needed to find something else, something educational or maybe studying something um, for, yeah, or as a bridge until I can start my pilot training. And um, then I decided that I wanted to do or study something that I'm really interested in. And my, my first choice was to study um, international sports management here in a, in a university nearby Frankfurt. Um, I applied for that as well. And they told me, OK, maybe international sports management might not be the best fit since um, the job perspectives are not that, that great after you finish your bachelor degree in sports management. And maybe you need to study something more general. So they recommended me that I that I study something not just full-time studying, but also working at the same time. And that's when I started to study and work in a headhunting company um, at the same time and, and worked as a headhunter, in fact, for about half a year, almost a year, I think. And I found out that I didn't really like the job to be a headhunter and to call 50, 60 persons every day and tell them that I have maybe a new and exciting job for them. So I decided to quit. And then, since I didn't have the chance yet to start my pilot training, 
I went to Goethe University and I started my bachelor's degree in economics and business administration or in German Wirtschaftswissenschaften. I'm pretty, pretty general degree. I'm pretty broad in the topics, um, pretty much focus on theory and not that much on practice. Um, that was one of the reasons why I started my startup later, but we will talk about that later in, in the interview, I think. Um, and after two semesters, um, I thought, okay, just studying isn't, isn't what makes me really happy. And I wanted to do something besides just studying and just my bachelor's degree. And I knew from, from friends of mine and people who I was studying with that you can, yeah, join a student initiative, a student organization at Goethe University. And I, and I took a look at them and, and thought about, okay, what might be interesting for me, but I didn't really find something where, what I was really interested in regarding the topic or the focus that those already existing student organizations had. And um, this was when I decided, okay, maybe I want to found, I want to create, I want to start my own student organization. And this was when I, together with two friends of mine, started to found an organization called Impress. It wasn't, it wasn't a typical student consultancy. It was more like a platform or an organization where people could learn and focus on their rhetorical and communication skills because this was something I already knew could become quite important in your job, in your professional life and also in your private life to present yourself and to learn how to talk to others. But I knew that in fact, in your university degree, no one was teaching you how to work on that skills and no one was helping you to yeah, to, to train these skills. And this was when we, when we founded the, the organization Impress. And this was when we started to invite companies and, and managers of companies and speakers and professional rhetoric trainers and coaches to our events, to our workshops. And we invited a lot of students from not just Goethe University, but also of other universities nearby to, to come to those workshops and to work interactively on their communication skills. Why am I telling this in so much detail? Because this was the first time when I thought that building something, that creating something that has a positive impact on others might be a great fit to my personal values and to my personal goals in my professional life. So when me and, and one of my former co-founders of the student organization, Nico, when we talked about that and when we also talked about what we wanted to do after finishing our degrees, I, for my own, actually decided that I didn't want to, to start the pilot training anymore at Lufthansa because I found out that this creating something and building something that helps others um, seemed to be a greater fit for me. Um, and then we decided that we wanted to create something that helps others, but that doesn't necessarily have to do, has to do something with, with communications and rhetorical skills. And that's back then, 2017, when we had the idea for a keeper. So after finishing our bachelor's degree, we started our own startup journey. And in the first couple of months, we met each day in uh, one small room in the apartment of my co-founder, Nico. And we started to work on this idea. And now, pretty fast forward, three and a half years later, we build a startup. We build a company um, with currently about 20 employees. I have one little detour before we get into what Ikipa does. Where does the name come from? That is usually something that tells you a lot about the intention of startup founders. So that's why I, I'm asking, plus my usual subscribers know that I'm the king of detours. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, before I tell you how we how we found the name, I just wanted to to tell you something else. Finding the right name for your own startup is really hard, or at least has been really hard for us because um, we we took about half a year until we finally decided that Ikeepa is going to be the name for what we are planning to do with the startup. Um, we had a couple of other names before. We had the name Loom, we had the name Quick, and some other really creative names. Um, in the end, we, we ended with Ikeepa, and we had a couple of workshops also with friends, brainstormings, to find a fitting name. Um, Ikeepa has, in a couple of other languages, for example, the Croatian language, has the meaning of team or group, um, also in the sports context, for example, a keeper as, as a team of, of sports, of a soccer team, for example. And when we started with our idea, our initial approach was that we wanted to create, to match interdisciplinary teams on our own platform to collaborate with each other, to match and combine different skills, different mindsets, different backgrounds to develop great new innovative solutions for current problems and challenges. And um, matching those teams, the team the team thought, the team aspect was one of our core aspects of our initial idea. Nico has a Croatian background. And then we said, okay, Ikipa might be a great name. And um, also the German domain, ikipa.de was still free to buy. And there was no registered brand at that time for Ikipa. And that's when we decided, okay, we want to um, to call our startup Ikipa. That is always very important to have like the website, to have the brand and stuff like that. I would personally recommend everybody who's who's uh, just starting out with a startup idea, look for a cheap address for your website. Go with the name. You can always later rebrand when you um, when you know how to do it, what your business will be, uh, how to pick up steam and stuff like that. You don't necessarily need uh, to spend like five digits just just for a nice logo and some printed uh, marketing collaterals and an awesome website and registered brand and yada yada yada. For example, with Startup Radio, I've been uh, working without a registered trademark for almost four years until I started the process of registering my trademark in the European Union. So that's basically how I was working starting from the very beginning. If you're VC funded. It's a different game, but if you have to bootstrap, go the cheap way. I can totally agree on that point. So we started to register the trademark after, I think, two years, approximately two years. Um, yeah, um, you shouldn't, if, you, if you're bootstrapped, as you mentioned before, you shouldn't pay that much money for the domain. You Otherwise, you, you, should, you should look for names where you can get cheaper domains for. Um, yeah, this would be the better way. And this was at least the way um, we had uh, when we when we decided for a keeper. And um, URLs by themselves are usually not worth a lot. Don't fall for the people who just uh, reach out to you when they realize you founded a newly company and tell you, oh, this URL, it's just awesome. It will be just $50,000. Don't fall for it. Go with the cheap solution. And then look what it what is working. Um, there's some examples where something just did not work. For example, um, there was a car called Nova, which never sold in in Spanish speaking countries because Nova is not going, so it's not working. Um, and you should keep that in mind. And that is something you can test when you know where customers are located. Um, but Talk about customers and what you guys are doing. 
tell us a little bit how Equipa actually works. For example, let's assume I am a startup founder. You go into your company website. Of course, as always, there's a link down here in the show notes. And um, what can I expect? And what is my journey? Yeah, it's pretty easy. So maybe I will just start by explaining how we came up with the idea and now what benefit we bring to our customers and to our different stakeholders. So the idea already grew during our, our bachelor's degree and basically was um, because of a problem that we experienced on ourselves. Um, so when we studied at Goethe University, and I mentioned that before, um, we experienced that there was so much theoretical knowledge that you gained but there wasn't that much practice. There wasn't that much really applying this knowledge and applying your own potential. And we found out or we thought, okay, um, this, this young generation, our own generation doesn't have so much opportunities to unfold its own potential. Um, and we wanted to provide our own generation an opportunity, a platform, um, where they can apply their own knowledge and where can, where they can unfold their own ideas. And, um, this was our initial idea. I don't want to get too much into detail there because, of course, we iterated a lot and we, we, we talked to potential customers a lot and, um, we had some iterations there. But in the end, what we are offering right now is an open innovation platform, but not just that. But, um, I always describe it as a framework, um, within companies, established big organizations can collaborate with the digital generation. And what I mean by that is that most of the time, really big, really established organizations are facing change. They are fa facing upcoming challenges and problems, especially in the topics of digitization, of innovation, of sustainability. Business models are changing rapidly. Customer needs are changing rapidly. And therefore, they have upcoming challenges that they need to face and that they need to find new solutions for. And from our point of view, um, there's a huge innovation potential within this digital generation. And by digital generation, I specifically mean students, startups, researchers, and young professionals. So the, the generation that grew up in times of digitization, that has a completely different or even better access to digital technologies, that brings a completely new perspective to the, to the table, and most importantly, that brings a really high commitment to change things. So we have two sides. We have established organizations. We have the young digital generation, and both of them are living in their own bubble. So it's not that easy to bring them together and to help them to collaborate with each other in the most effective way. So what we are doing is we are creating a framework via our own online platform, open innovation platform, where we take specific challenges or topics or problem settings by big organizations. We transform them into so-called challenges. We put them on our platform and then we have a network, a huge network of universities, of innovation centers, of research institutes. And therefore, this allows us to address specific target groups, be it startups in the area of 5G or um, artificial intelligence, be it students in the topic or, or with a background of chemicals, or be it research groups in specific research topics and fields. And um, we address them with specific challenges. We bring them on our platform. We match them into interdisciplinary teams. That's where our name also came from. And then we accompany them in a whole innovation journey, in the whole innovation process, starting from the challenge that we provide um, via the idea generation proce process where we support them with design thinking, workshops and methods and so on. 
um, over the validation of the most promising ideas up to the implementation and the execution of new solutions. So starting with challenges, coming over target groups that we address, that we bring on our platform, until we accompany them in developing new solutions, new innovations, and bring them together with those organizations to make those solutions become reality. Um, that's basically what we're doing. And in this framework, we're serving as a platform provider, as a consultancy, and as a project manager. That's basically our three roles um, that we have within our projects and within our formats that we're conducting. Um, I didn't want to interrupt you when you, you've been on the roll. So uh, when you said at the beginning, you've been iterating, how long did you take to iterate? And what was the process you've been using? And then we might actually go into the customer journey for startup. Huh? Mm -hmm. um, well, actually, if I'm being honest with you, I think we never stopped iterating. <laughs> And I think if you would stop iterating, uh, you would stop with your progress as a startup because you always need to focus on your customers. And as I mentioned before, customer needs are changing rapidly and business models need to change with those customer needs, with those changing customer needs. So I would say that we never stop iterating or that a startup, especially bootstrap startup as we are, never should stop iterating. But um Making it more specifically, um, when we started the idea, we were just focusing on students. We were focusing on matching students within universities on our platform and accompanying them and guiding them to develop new ideas, new creative marketing concepts, for example. And one of our biggest iterations was that, or two of our biggest iterations were that on the one hand, we expanded our target groups, not just on students, but also on now researchers, startups, and young professionals making the, the solutions that, that are in the end of such an innovation project more tangible and more implementable in the end because startups most of the time already have a prototype or an MVP that they can then uh, fit to the needs of the challenge that we provided. And the other most important iteration from my point of view was that at the beginning, we only offered one specific project format which consisted of two phases, an ideation phase and an elaboration phase where the team started with an idea, then the most promising ones were selected and then those selected teams iterated and elaborated on their solutions to make them implementable to the prototype or an MVP. But meanwhile, we realized that our clients, so the big organizations that are facing those challenges and that they, they are paying us for supporting them giving them access to the digital generation, guiding them to develop new solutions. They do not necessarily always have the same needs. So not all of those clients, not all of those companies and organizations need such a project format with an ideation phase and with an elaboration phase. Not all the companies need a process that lasts for about four months. And that's when we decided we want to offer different formats coming from our first innovation challenge format, now also offering and providing formats like Innovation Days, where we just bring together six to 10 young, highly talented innovators to collaborate in two teams for one to two days, together with representatives from the company. Um, also to bigger projects that we run together with several companies at the same time, facing up to 12 challenges in one topic or in one field, for example, at the same time, um, 
that's the two most important iteration going away from just one product, offering different products for different customer needs. Um, that sounds pretty good. And now we know what you guys are doing, having innovation challenges from big companies that go out to startups, to um, universities, and to students. How can a startup register on your website and what can they expect from doing that? Yeah. So it's pretty easy. Um, you go on app.ekeeper.de, you register your own startup within 30 seconds, I guess. You just write down your email address, password, the name of the startup, the industry or technology you're working in, and that's it. And then you're registered. And then we have a challenge overview page. So that's where startups can find our current challenges. Not every challenge is for startups or is addressing startups as the main target group, but currently we have about around four challenges addressing startups as the key target group. They can go to one of those challenges. Each challenge has its own landing page where the challenge is described in more detail, where the criteria for the submission and the solutions that the company is looking for is described in more detail. And it's for startups especially, it's completely easy. They go on the landing page of the challenge. They click on the button to participate. They upload their pitch deck or a submission template that we provide on this challenge briefing landing page uh, that they need to fill. They submit it before the deadline. And then if they're being selected by the company, it depends on the project. But then they have the chance, for example, to start a pilot project together with the organization that provides the challenge or to pitch their own solution, their own technology, their own use case in front of the decision makers of the company. That depends on the challenge, but participating and receiving the benefits such as prize money, pilot projects, collaboration with the organization, or pitching in front of the decision makers, that just needs, yeah, depending on the challenge, between 30 minutes and two hours of effort for a startup. And I deduce they're not paid for it. The startups? So for participating, they are not paid. If they just submit their solution, they are not paid. But at the same time, it's important for me to say that all the intellectual property uh, property obviously stays at the startup all the time. Um, but when they win the challenge, if they get selected by a company, they can get with uh, get paid with prize monies at the first hand. And afterwards, in the midterm or long term, if they get a common project together with the company, if they start a pilot project, they're, um, of course, they are being paid by the company. So, for example, we have a huge project with Deutsche Bahn, uh, the largest train organization in Germany, one could say. And there, four startups were selected for running a pilot project with Deutsche Bahn. And each of those four startups received um, funding, one could say, but not for equity, but just for this pilot project for 25000 each. And this was quite a good deal for everyone. One of the, those startups now has a bigger cooperation with the Deutsche Bahn lasting for a couple of years. Um, so such a challenge can be a great starting point for a startup industry collaboration, for example. I see. And we do have a lot of listeners, some viewers uh, from the corporate side. How would a corporate approach your website? What can they do? So um, the deal is with our with our business model, it's not possible, it's consciously not possible for companies to just go on our platform and start its own challenge because we think that, especially in the open innovation framework, it's not a good approach to, to just start 
a challenge to just publish a question, a problem setting, a challenge on a platform as ours. Um, that's why we decided that collaborating with our community, with our network, with our crowd just goes via working with us and via preparing such a challenge with us. So the e easiest way would be to approach us, me, for example, via LinkedIn and and start discussing with us what a challenge, what an innovation project with the digital generation could look like. If we find a fitting format and if we find a fitting question or challenge topic inside the company, um, then we, we define a concept for the format. We define the target groups and then we publish the challenge on our platform. And then within weeks or months, depending on the challenge and depending on the criteria and expectation that a company or the decision maker has, we will find an average 40 to 60 teams, students, startups, researchers, young professionals to provide first initial ideas, first initial approaches to select from. Then usually selecting six to eight most promising ones, going more into detail with them, elaborating on these ideas until they are on a prototype level and then deciding which ones you would like to continue with. And then it depends on the company. Some of them have their own innovation vehicles. Some of them already know how to accelerate prototypes and MVPs, but some of them don't. And then we also support them and help them and guide them in an acceleration process, also sometimes in the go-to-market process, where we create a framework between the winning teams of the challenge and the company that provided the challenge to guide them, to coach them, and to help them to not just have an idea or a prototype, but a real-world innovation in the end. And uh, that's the outcome of most of our projects that the company that, ha that had the challenge, for example, has a new product, has a new business model, has a new digital application in the end, or works together with a startup that won the challenge that already provides such a product or business model or application in the end. Mm. Sounds pretty good. Of course, everybody can learn more down here in the show notes where we link to your company website as well as your LinkedIn profile and the people in startups can learn more from there, uh, digging deeper into the problems and the solutions. Um, what I would be interested in right now is what are you looking for? Like investors, additional clients, international network, what would be like the benefits you're looking for from this interview? Yeah, that's a great question, Joe. Uh, thanks for asking. So as I mentioned before, we are bootstrap startup. We are currently do not have any investors yet. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that we are actively seeking for investors, but we are always open for talks and discussions. Um, what we're more intensely looking for is for internationalization because um, we, especially in the last year in 2020, um, we started to internationalize on our innovator side on the digital generation side. So meanwhile, we had some projects where we had participants from more than 25 countries coming from Asia, coming from Europe, coming from the United States. We had one challenge where the winning team was a, an, a startup from the University of Harvard, for example. So this went quite well. And now we are aiming for internationalization also on the client side. So we are now We've now been working with some global organizations like Samsung, like Sanofi, for example, and we saw that we can deliver a huge impact for them. So now we're aiming for becoming more and more international, working together with more and more international companies, not just from Germany anymore. So if there are any international 
companies out there who are willing to work together with young people, with the digital generation, actively seeking for new solutions, for new innovations, or for a cultural change to bring its own employees together with young people to collaborate with, um, feel free to get in touch. And um, as I mentioned, we already have a huge university network um, internationally. So why not expanding also on the client side? That have been actually pretty good words. Um, I'd like to thank you for being a guest and uh, let us know how you guys are doing. And of course, everybody from a university, a student, a startup, a corporate, they can go down here in the show notes and register on your company's website. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Completely my pleasure. Thank you very much. If you are a professional looking at the European startup scene, Germany is a place you cannot miss. Fortunately for you, there is StartupRad.io, the authority on German startups. This English-only podcast brings you fresh interviews each week. Most likely, you have never heard or read anything on these startups before in English, but you will in the future. Be ahead of the curve and subscribe to StartupRad.io podcast or check for the StartupRad.io internet radio station. Check your Alexa for the StartupRad.io skill as well.